This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Oh, and we are live. Branders Magazine, Talking with Branders Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Bacanza. It's Friday. The pizzerias have cranked up the ovens, haven't they, Finn? Because we both have pizza in our emoji. But I'm here with Finn McKenty. Uh, Finn, thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Grateful to be here. I just, I gotta, I feel like I need to put on my morning zoo radio voice. You gave such an energetic, uh, energetic <laughs> intro. Hey, everybody, welcome back to Talking with Branders. Watch out for traffic lights on the 405, everybody. Slow and go through North Hollywood. Oh, it's always a slow go through North Hollywood. Want to hear a funny story? So I grew up in New York, and we had the Z Morning Zoo from Z100. But then I moved to San Diego in the 90s, and it was called B100. And I remember thinking to myself, do they have the B Morning Boo? Is that mm. what, like, to scare people? <laughs> Right. Um, but Finn, we're here. We're gonna talk YouTube. We're gonna talk branding because you are a YouTuber that's kind of exploded recently. The last couple of years, I mean, you have more subscribers than I think anyone else that I know personally. Uh, you've reached what six hundred thousand, six hundred fifty thousand subs now. Yeah, I have two channels. Well, three, but really two channels. The and between the two of them, about seven hundred thousand now. Oh wow! Um, that's an incredible number. Like, what was that like? Like, the, you know, what was it like to reach your first like ten thousand? Like, was that like was that the big monument that you celebrated? For sure, yeah. I mean, I started this whole channel. So, for anybody who is not familiar, uh, outside of YouTube, my career has been in marketing and product design. You know, I started in like the late '90s because, unfortunately, that's how old I am. Uh, but I started out kind of like a lot of people listening to this in the agency world, doing you know like a lot of early like interactive stuff. Did like you know stuff for like Nintendo and Red Bull and stuff like that back in the day. Did very bad work for them uh, <laughs> that I was not qualified to do, but it kind of got my foot in the door. Spent a lot of time yeah. there, and so uh, in the agency world, I was also a designer for Abercrombie and Fitch in ah. a marketing role there as well. So. The background to all of this is that I started doing YouTube because I wanted to understand it as a marketer. Yeah, I had done some print journalism like in the 90s and the 2000s. Then I had a couple blogs that did reasonably well, getting like, you know, maybe like a million views a month or something like that, which is okay for like a sort of hobby blog. And then I was like, well, I, I should probably understand YouTube. And so I started a channel with the goal of just getting... I was like, if I can just get like two or 3,000 subscribers, that's cool. That's enough for me to say like, I understand this this platform right yeah um, and it ended up just sort of getting way bigger than i ever thought it would be and i'm like well i'm not gonna stop now <laughs> and so here we are seven years later i've got like a hundred million views in total which is just like a mind-boggling number 
And so when you first started out, like to learn and, and funny, um, for those who follow the show know that I have a studio and and kind of for the same reason, right? I need mm -hmm. to learn how to, you know, this is the future and 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 brand and we'll talk about branding and, and you know, in a bit and the role that video is going to play in it. But like when you were starting out and just to learn it, like, do you look back on those videos now and like cringe? Oh, they're awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we'll, they're all I, I, I think I hope I've deleted all of them <laughs> they're terrible but you know that's i mean it's the same as anything else like of course you're not going to be good at it the first time unless you're one of these like freak talents that like you walk on the court and you're throwing you know you're throwing you know nothing but net from half court cool great but the rest of us we're going to suck at yeah. first and that's just it's just part of the process so I, I figured that's what would happen and it did took me probably nine months for, to get any kind of real traction which i actually don't think is that bad um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's like anything else at the beginning, you're, you're not going to be great at it. That's okay. When you say real traction, like what, what is, what does that mean? Uh, like getting, you know, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but let's say that I was getting, I don't know, 10,000 views on every video within a week or something like that, mm. which to me would be enough to be like, all right, yeah, this, there's something here. Yeah. You're a consultant, so you help brands with their YouTube strategy, which, you know, at this point is a, a, its own strategy, right? It's yeah. not just to lumping it into a social media strategy. It's not, not social media because there's nothing not. social about it. Mm. Right? What about comments? Like people are commenting, but it's not the same it's as like an same. Instagram. No, it's 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 this it's much more like TikTok in the sense of it's basically you know, video content that's served to you algorithmically. Subscribers don't really mean anything because you think about, we've all subscribed to some channel six years ago. Yeah. You're like, wait, I haven't actually watched one of their videos in years, right? Uh, so yeah, I, I, it's not part of social media. It's its own thing. It has to be treated like its own thing. And, you know, an interesting thing you said is that this is the future, which which it is. But I, you know, I started YouTube, YouTube in 2017 and I feel like I was late to the game. And it's interesting to me that that businesses still think about YouTube the way that they thought about Facebook in like 2009, mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah, my my kids on there. Yeah, it's kind of cool, I guess, but it's not really a priority for us. And then, you know, fast forward three, four years later, they're all scrambling. Oh, shit. How do we miss the ball on this? Yeah, I I had started a YouTube channel around 2017 as well. because I had a podcast at the time called The Creative Hustler. Uh -huh. And I think now, like fuck, if I only kept with it, where would I have been, yep. you yep. know? And, and I didn't because life got in the way and sure. I was traveling, but. Um, our bodies come in different shapes and sizes. So doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress instead of perfection. You don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M dot com. And check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey and we want to hear from you. 
The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. You know, as an individual, sure, I can understand that. But as a company, to me, there's really no excuse for missing the ball. Like YouTube has 2.7 billion monthly active users. That's yeah. insane. And the amount, I don't remember the exact stat, but I think that the average user spends like 23 hours a month on YouTube. You know, and you think about like, for example, my videos are usually between, you know, 15 and 20 minutes long. The average watch time on my videos is nine minutes. Wow. And I get between those two channels, two or three million people a month watching my videos. So think about that. There are two or three million people a month watching and listening to me for nine minutes. Like that is such a lot. That's such a massive amount. That's like it's building relationships at scale. And think about what that would do for any business. Right. Yeah. So the, the idea that like YouTube is something that you kind of can ignore and isn't important and so it's a nice to have, but you don't really need it. You know, not every business necessarily needs YouTube, but it's kind of crazy to me to just sort of treat it as an afterthought, given all of that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you you said that there's like 2.3 billion people are active users, and that's like that a quarter of the world's population, right? Something like that. That's insane. <laughs> that's a, an insane statistic. Right. Fuck. Right. So if you're a business, like, you obviously need to be thinking about YouTube, but, like, now and the here's nuance. The, here's the great part about it. Sorry, I just want to yeah, add one more thing. Yeah, go. Here's the great part is that it's one of the only places left where – it is a complete meritocracy and you as the little guy can absolutely beat the big guys just by being better. Like YouTube does not care how big your company is. They don't care how much money you spent on your content. Go look at like Amazon web services, for example, AWS. I think they did like $80 billion in revenue last year. Yeah. Their YouTube videos get literally like 400 views. It is terrible. Like literally anybody could beat them making videos about their own product and lots of people do there's other yeah. people who get millions of views talking about aws so that's why it's such an amazing opportunity because it's one of the last places where just a person in their spare bedroom like you or me with a 500 dollars camera can actually quite easily beat amazon microsoft you know all these giant companies which is amazing i i follow you on linkedin finn and one of the things that i enjoy watching is like AWS in particular, you looked, you took a screenshot of all their video uh, clips and you basically call them out on what, yeah. and you, you, you expose them on what they're doing wrong. Do you see as a consultant more B2B companies fucking up as opposed to doing it right? I'm not aware of anybody in B2B really that does it well. Um, mm. There's a, you know, vidIQ has a good channel if you sure. want to call that B2B. Uh, I think their channel is good. Um, you know, other than that, and the future also is good if you want oh, to call yeah. that B2B. Also, I, I, you know, to me, that's sort of like a, 
a prosumer thing, but whatever. Those are two examples of companies I think that do like YouTube very well. Uh, Alex Hormozy also does really well on YouTube and LinkedIn. Uh, those are a couple examples, but it, I mean, this is my point is like the, the, the standard is so low. <laughs> like if you come in and you're just okay, you're better than literally 99.9% .9 of your competitors. It's, it's not hard to stand out. Is it, is it a content like, okay. So you said uh, the future, right? Chris Doe, he's a friend of ours. He's been on our cover of our he's magazine. Awesome. Yeah. Love Chris. Yep. Uh, shout out to him. Is it, is it the quality of like, does his, is his, in your eyes, is his channel good because of the quality of content? Is it the thumbnail? How, you know, like what, what is it in particular that makes a great channel? It's all of the above. But at the end of the day, the reason why Chris does so well is because he puts the audience first. Right. Mm. He makes content that people want to watch that helps people. How often does he talk about their product? Not hardly the, ever, the right? soft sale. Right. Yeah. It's not hardly really. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it'll come up in passing of like, oh, you know, I did this program and one of the things that came up was blah, blah, blah. Right. right? But hardly ever. And, and it's not to say that you can't talk about your product. Like if it makes sense, you should. Um, it's, it's not like that's off limits, but compare that with what a lot of other people do. They put up some 90 minute webinar that's like a product demo for something that, you know, not that many people care about. Like, think about how hard it is to get somebody, if you're in B2B, um, think about how hard it is to get somebody on like a, a 90 minute demo, right? That's hard to do. Yeah. There, that, that's a long, you're pretty far down into the funnel there, right? Yeah. Why would you think that just putting this up on YouTube, who in the world opens up the YouTube app and they're like, oh yeah, I wanna watch a 90 minute demo right. of some SaaS product. Right. No one, nobody wants to watch that. <laughs> nobody, which is why like watching you know, paint dry. Yeah, it's well, actually, I, I bet there's literally people on TikTok getting millions of views for paint drying. Yeah, uh, that's, that's right. Uh, one of our one one of the uh, watchers, one of the viewers, Catalina, just said audience first, and it goes back to kind of branding one on one, Finn. Right? It's not yep. about what we say it is; it's about nope. what you say it is. Right? It's about what our audience yep. says. Yep. Um, just like you see all these companies with some, you know, they'll rebrand and they'll, you know, have some long-winded explanation of why there's now three, you know, pillars in the logo instead of four. And this means that, and it's like, dude, nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody gives a shit. And the, that's what companies get wrong about YouTube is nobody cares what, you know, nobody cares about you. That's just how it is. You got to start with the assumption that it's very, it's a very humbling platform. You got to start with the assumption that every single video you make is a fight for views. Remember, you're competing with Mr. Beast. You're competing with, you know, whatever, like the literally the best creators in the world when you put a video out on YouTube. And yeah. so you got to ask yourself, why in the world would anybody choose to watch this thing that I'm putting out right now instead of all the other options that they have? Right. That's that's the question you have to ask yourself. It's yeah. it's very humbling. And the reason why it's the same reason so many company companies fail with branding and product development in general is that they're not humble. They put themselves first. Right. They think they're the hero in the story. You're not the hero. Not, yeah. The, yeah. The, the, the audience is the hero. The customer is the hero. You're just spoken like a true them. brander fan. I'm going to say it like it's he's... a fact. <laughs> they are the center of the world. You're just a supporting cast member. That's exactly at right. Best fucking at best well well do you think that like a lot of companies feel like 
well, the only way to succeed on YouTube is to like make a mockery, like to be shock value. Like, do you think like, that's the extreme where I think so many companies don't want to invest in YouTube because they think they have to be funny or cute or whatever? Well, I mean, think about that. If you're <laughs> think about how arrogant that is, is like we don't we're, we don't want to be entertaining. <laughs> Sorry, what's wrong with being entertaining? Why do you mm. think you're too good to be entertaining? Like, why are people allergic to making content that anyone would want to watch? It's insane. Oh, it's insane. Got a question over here from, from Luis. He goes, how do you deal with the constant changes in the algorithm? I think that's a, that's a question a lot of us. And I think that, that that's why I think businesses might be fearful because they think that once they invest into YouTube, yeah. everything's going to change and their investment is going to be all for naught. But like, well, how do you is, mitigate is that? Is there a part of the world where things aren't constantly changing? Um, right. <laughs> right. I mean, think about every other part of your business, you know, uh, the cost of ads, you know, mm -hmm. the labor market, like everything is constantly changing. So, you know, it's like anything else. You just it's it's you know, to use a gamer term, get good, you know, but, you know, to that specific point, I don't think the algorithm actually changes. Um, I think lots of times when people put something out that flops, they want to blame the algorithm, mm -hmm. but nine times out of 10, the problem is that you made a video that your audience doesn't care about. Right. So if I'm a business, right, like, and I'm, and I'm saying, okay, I know I need to get on YouTube. I know I need to create content. Um, what kind of strategy should they start? What kind of strategy should they start with? Right? Because you yep. can't, you can't be like, Oh, I want to try to become Mr. Beast. Like you got to play your own game. I mean, that's well, one option, but it's not the right option for everyone. It, but it's one potentially valid option. So what you want to do, start by defining what your goals are for this channel in specific, in terms of specific business objectives, meaning let's say you're a D2C company and you know, you would like to sell 10,000 units of product a month. That's, you know, one option. Or if you're in B2B, we want to get this many leads per qualified leads per month, you know, and we hope to close, you know, X percent of them, yeah. whatever it is. So that's, you start there. And the reason why that's important is because that is going to define uh, the next step, which is your YouTube KPIs, meaning that if you need to sell 10,000 units of product a year or a month, rather, let's assume, say, a 2% conversion rate, just, you know, as a sort of back of the envelope sort of uh, assumption, that means you need to get, you know, millions of views a month in order for that math to make sense, right? Uh, which is totally possible. But that means it's going to take you in this direction with your content, meaning to get millions of views a month, you have to make content that is like very broadly accessible. That's, you know, that can reach a large audience, right? Whereas if you only need to get a few leads per month and close two of them, and in a year, if you close six new deals, you made your year. Well, now you don't need to be getting millions of views a month. You could potentially get by with like, you know, several thousand or something like sure. that, which in turn is going to inform the type of content you make. And so then once you have that, the next thing to do is figure out what the concept for your channel is now that you know what the goal for it is. Because just like anything else, if you don't know the goal, who's to say, you know, what's right, right. which right. direction are we marching? So the channel concept to me has two parts. Part number one is a simple one-line description of it, which could be, you know, like commentary on personal finance, something like that, right? And then uh, underneath that, there are, I like to help people come up with what I call three to five belief statements, which is the way that you see the world. And those things that, that these, these belief statements are going to be the things that are sort of 
underpinning all of your content. So if you're in personal finance, maybe you believe that uh, you know, passive investment is, you know, the best way for most people to build wealth is like thing number one. Maybe thing number two is you believe that, you know, you should never put your the your financial security in the hands of like your employer. And thing number three is that, you know, you should always invest in yourself or whatever these things are. Right. And so then once you have that, now it's time to start thinking about what what kind of topics you want to make brainstorm a big list of con of topics. You bucket those into sort of categories. If you come up with 30 ideas for videos, you'll quickly see, oh, there's really like four different, you know, whatever the number is, three, four, five different like categories of videos here. Now we map that onto a calendar and now we have sort of a picture of what our channel is going to be. Then it's time to move into production, which is sort of a whole other thing. But production is really the easiest part of all this, in my opinion. Right. The hard part is like, what video should we be making is the difficult you know, part of this question, but you were you know, really smartly, you know, put, you know, kind of creating like almost like an OGSM, right? That I would call that kind of strategy in, in marketing sphere. You have your your objective, your yep. goal, the strategy, yep. Yep. maybe how you're going to measure it. Like so, you yep. you put that framework, you yep. put that framework together. How do you decide? And I know a lot of businesses I speak with, short form versus long form, and like what the hell is the difference? Like you know, at what point does it become? long form versus short form. And what do yep. you say to that? Uh, the, the, the difference to me is whether it's vertical or horizontal, because those are two like very different things. So like YouTube shorts, reels and TikTok, to me are all basically the same thing. Um, I, I'm not really a believer in short form so much. Uh, and I'll tell you why. Uh, number one is because uh, from the, if you're an individual creator, like it doesn't monetize. So it's just sort of like, right it's hard to justify the investment also. And, and here's the part now for a brand, they may not care about that. Um, but the other part of that is that short form content, number one, doesn't translate into views of long-term content. Uh, so you could get, and, and you've seen this from a lot of channels that maybe built, you know, a following of a million subscribers off of, you know, shorts. And then they realize everything that I just said of like, oh geez, like this stuff doesn't monetize and uh, I need to pivot to long form. And then their long form isn't getting views because people, it's just like anything else in the world, people expect one thing from you. Right. Like if BMW started making, I don't know, hamburgers, who's gonna buy a BMW hamburger, even if it's right. a great hamburger, right? Yeah. You know, people want one thing from you. Uh, so that's problem number one. Also, I don't think that uh, short form builds relationships in the same way that long form does. Meaning, let's say there's someone on TikTok that's viral for like uh, chopping vegetables, which I'm sure there is. Like, oh my God, look how fast she can chop an onion. Um, and you ask your neighbor, like, have you seen that girl on TikTok that like chops onions? Like, oh my God, I love her. I watch all her videos. Like, cool, what's her name? And they're like, uh, I don't know, <laughs> yeah. right? Because it's just a, a low, and it's an inherently lower engagement format. Now, so that's, and also it's easier to drive traffic from long form videos than it is from short form because everyone knows the, you know, click the link in the description thing. So there's a way to drive people off the platform in a way that's kind of not really true of short form. Now, that being said, if you do long form, it's very easy to repurpose that into short form. You mm -hmm. just pay an editor, you know, there's lots, there are people who do this on Fiverr or Upwork or whatever for 10 bucks a video. Um, and so if you do long form, you can kill two birds with one stone. So that's why I would suggest, those are all the reasons that I would suggest, suggest optimizing for long form.
You mentioned earlier that your videos on average are what, like 17 minutes? Yeah, something like that, 15 to 20 minutes. Is that the optimal time for long form or? Well, I mean, you know, everybody's different. It is for you. Yeah, in general, I would say that 10 to 20 minutes is is sort of the sweet spot. And reason being that um, anything shorter than that is is sort of this no man's land to me where it's not short enough to be an actual short meaning something that people can like watch in literally 10 seconds. Uh, but it's not long enough to be long because the most common use case for YouTube, and, and this will probably sound familiar to everybody, is like you're folding the laundry or doing dishes and you're like, I need something on in the background while I'm doing dishes. And so you open up the YouTube app and you scroll through the homepage, you're like, duh, 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 duh. okay, here, I'll have that, right? And if it's six minutes long, you're probably not gonna pick that because that's not long enough you know, it takes yeah. you longer than six minutes to fold laundry. And you're like, oh, I'm just gonna have to find something else to watch. Right. Right. Um, and there are the idea that people have short attention spans, I think is like objectively very easy to prove that that's false. Look how many things on YouTube, like how many podcasts that are two hours long have millions of views. Look at Rogan. Yeah, right. That's a great example. Or, you know, in gaming, there's always like a short history of Final Fantasy VIII, and it's like three hours long, and it has 900,000 views in a week. You know, mm -hmm. uh, that's another great thing about YouTube is the audience wants really long, substantial, like meaty kind of content, right? It's the exact opposite, which, you know, for creators, maybe that's a good or a bad thing. But for brands in, or, or B2B, you know, if you're trying to build reputation or build relationships, you want people to spend lots of time with you, right? And that's exactly that. That's the linchpin right there. It's about building that that relationship. And right. I hadn't thought about it, but like you see, and it, it's funny you're 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 reversing some of my assumptions, right? I'm a newbie when it comes to YouTube and when it comes to all of this. But like you know, I think the 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 general assumption is, oh, you create shorts because you're gonna get the subscribers, then you serve them long form. Well, that's what YouTube wants you to think. That's what they'll tell you. Right. But ask any creator, and they all know that's not true. It's the it's the opposite, yep. right? Is yep. what you're saying. Yep. So, are are you seeing putting putting on your prediction hat, right? Uh, is is B two B the wild west when it comes to YouTube, and is that like the biggest opportunity that you're seeing? Uh, I I think any kind of like business using YouTube, whether that's B two C or B two B or B two C, I don't you know I think they're both wide open. But in B two B in particular, yeah, I think it's a huge opportunity. Because, you know, think about this. I'll give you another example is like uh, I get recognized all the time and I don't live anywhere. I don't live in like a cool city. I live in, you know, Olympia, Washington, which is like 50,000 people or something. It's like oh, a sure. small city. Um, I get recognized all the time at like Costco by just random people that like yell my name and want to take my picture or something. And I'm not saying that to like tell you how cool I am. My point is that, you know, YouTube, when people watch you, they feel like they know you. Mm -hmm. and, and they kind of do know you because they've heard you talk for potentially hours if they've watched a bunch of your videos. So putting that in the context of B2B, imagine going into your next pitch meeting that, you know, half the people in that room have watched some of your videos and they know where you grew up and they know where you went to high school and they know why you started this agency. And they know that a year ago, you know, something really bad happened to your agency, but you saved the day by doing the following thing. They, and of course they know your name and face and they've heard they feel like they already know you what yeah. do you think that would do to your ability to close that deal like I, you're yeah. already like three quarters of the way closed I man it's such a, a a powerful 
story right there for all of the brands that are watching and listening that are thinking and agencies should, I think and, it's and agencies huge i think opportunity for agencies i think you're absolutely right finn i think that the more like i've had some of my agency friends and obviously i know a ton of agencies whether it's on the branding side or on the marketing side who you know don't put the emphasis onto YouTube, but have just recently started to perk up and be like, I think we need to start creating videos. I think we need to start doing this. I think we need to start doing that. I think I think that becomes such a, an interesting opportunity for agencies because, like you said, going to help them win the pitch. It's going to help and them win the business. They're already good at this stuff. Agencies know how to tell stories. They know how to make. Oh, creative. but it's the cobbler's son, right? It's yeah, the cobbler's exactly. Children. Exactly. We're the exactly. worst. <laughs> yeah, we're absolutely the worst. So, so. Uh, and we got a couple minutes left, but like, sure. what's next for your channel? Like, where where do you where are you placing some big bets? Well, you know, to be honest, I want to sort of move from player to coach in the next year or so because, like, I, I feel like I like I never set out to be a YouTuber per se. Like I said, you know, I consider myself a marketer first and foremost. Yeah. So I I would rather help other people build their channels necessarily than than do my own. Like, I don't have a desire necessarily to be in the spotlight. So. That's what not, I hope is that like not I like the Gen Zers out there where <laughs> you ask them what they want to be when they grow up and everyone wants to be a YouTube and TikTok star. <laughs> hey, good for them. Like, I get that. That's cool. But I'm just not that's just not me. Like, I don't yeah. have a need for attention. I what gets me up in the morning is if I feel like I helped somebody solve a tough business problem. That's what's most gratifying to me. Spoken like a true coach, Finn. Um we're going to have another conversation. We're going to have a follow-up conversation because I, there's so much more that I think that uh, is going to come to fruition um, or so many more questions that are going to be posed from our audience watching these videos post when it gets sent out to everyone. Um, for those who are watching or watching this later, uh, how, where do you, how do they find you online? What you have a uh, website, YouTube? Yeah, com is the best option or hit me up on LinkedIn or DM me anywhere and everywhere you find me. I read all of them all the time. So you you pick. I will see it. <laughs> Next time I want to talk to you about punk music and design. Oh, I, I know do. That... I could talk about that for literally days. <laughs> uh, I was a, I'm a metal head, and like obviously metal's got its own design aesthetic yep. and and everything. And so we'll definitely we'll definitely dive into that. For more on the Branders Magazine, talking with Branders Podcast, go to BrandersMagazine.com. For more on me, go to StephenPaconza.com. It's Friday. Enjoy pizza. Have a beer. And until next time, peace. Hey everyone, this is Tuck from Fit for a King in Off-Road Minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Mods to Flames, and many more. We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. Hey you, do you have any plans this year? <laughs> How's that going? Do you get 2020? Well, welcome to a brand new podcast called 2020, where myself, Benny Goodman, 
And my good friends Corey Pazin and Siobhan Cronin from the band Lost Symphony also got 2020. And since the world ended this year, we decided why not just check in with some of our friends in the music industry and see how everyone's doing. We're going to get a candid look at life on and off the stage, as well as the mindset of some of the most successful people in the entertainment industry. New episodes drop every Sunday and Wednesday at 9 p.m. Eastern. And you can listen at 2020-D.com, soundtalentmedia.com, or on your favorite podcast app.